0: Good morning, Grace Vineyard. It's so good to be together again. Today, we begin a summer mini-series looking at the Sermon on the Mount, as found in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5 to 7. Over three weeks, we are going to pick out an aspect from each chapter to speak on. We're not going to cover everything in these three chapters, as that is a series that could last for months as there's such richness in these three chapters. The Sermon on the Mount is often referred to as the greatest sermon ever preached, and rightly so, as it is preached by Jesus, the Son of God, who is one with God, who is God in the flesh. You can read the Sermon on the Mount in about 15 minutes. But I don't believe that Jesus spoke it in just 15 minutes, or even 30 minutes, if he spoke very slowly. Most biblical commentators are of the opinion that this is Matthew's summary of a much longer sermon, a condensed version of the sermon. Matthew did it before Reader's Digest did other commentators are of the opinion that there's a compilation of sermons that Jesus spoke in various places at various times, but this is the less popular opinion and not highly regarded. Before I get to what I want to speak about today, there are a few things to take note of that are found in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 5. So let's read them. Matthew 5, 1-2 in the NIV. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Firstly, Jesus went up a mountainside and delivers his sermon, setting out the standard for living for his disciples, for us, for you, and for me. And just like Moses, who also went up a mountain and received the ten-point standard for living for the Israelites, the Ten Commandments, for the children of God. Secondly, Jesus sat down to teach, which we might view as unusual and very relaxed today. we used to teachers standing and teaching. But at this time, it was the practice of the day for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to be seated when teaching. They sat in a seat of authority as they taught. Jesus could sit anywhere and teach because he is the authority. And he gives us his disciples you and me, this authority too. we do not need the seat of authority to teach when we have the Holy Spirit living in us. there are two these are two important things to remember as we look at the Sermon on, on the Mount as I said in the beginning, we are not doing an in-depth study of these three chapters but each week it will be one Or maybe two things that we look at. Initially, I was going to look at verses 3 to 12, which are commonly known as the Beatitudes. But the last time I taught on them, I did it over two weeks. And even then, it felt a bit rushed. What I will say about verses 3 to 12 is that in this time of lockdown and pandemic, If you look at these verses, there is something there for every one of us to be encouraged by. Do read them, if you can. Today, I'm going to look at the four verses following the Beatitudes. That is, verses 13 to 16 of Acts chapter 5. First, I'm going to read them in the New International Version, and then in the Message Translation. So Matthew 5, 13 to 16 in the NIV. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And now the message translation of Matthew five thirteen to 16. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, How will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Salt and light speak to me of two things. Salt speaks of the flavor of God. And light speaks of the presence of God. But it is much more than this. This is talking about our relationship and fellowship with God, which should impact our relationship and fellowship with the people around us. Our relationship is who we are as children of the living God. This begins when we repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Our fellowship is our daily walk with the living God, our intimacy and openness with our Heavenly Father. Our relationship never changes. We are children of God, but our fellowship needs to develop and grow. Just as a newborn baby does not remain newborn, but grows and develops, its relationship with its parents never change. It will always be their child. But over the years, as it grows and becomes more like its parents, their fellowship, their way of interacting, changes. We develop and grow in fellowship with God as we become more like Jesus. Now, salt during Bible times was a precious commodity. It was used primarily in two ways. Firstly, to enhance the flavor of food. And secondly, as a preservative of food, because there was no refrigeration like today. In Israel, the salt came primarily from the Dead Sea. Salt is is sodium chloride. The Dead Sea has many other minerals in it, and so at times the salt was not pure. It had other elements in it which caused it to lose its effectiveness. It could then not be used to enhance the flavour. Or act as a preservative but it was discarded, usually being thrown onto the roads and this is where it was trampled on. It was only when we moved to this country and experienced our first winter here that I saw the use of salt to combat the frost and ice on the roads. And what causes us to lose our saltiness? Food that is preserved by salt changes. It is not like it was before it was preserved. Likewise, when we encounter God and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, we are changed. We are not the same as we were before our encounter. Our lives are both enhanced. We are more flavoursome. We have something to give into the world. And our lives are preserved. Our eternity with the Godhead Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is ensured. The devil, the enemy, is not happy with this, and he tries to disrupt and derail our lives at every opportunity. Our fellowship with God is meant to be pure and holy. But if it is not, if there are other elements influencing us, we will not have right fellowship with God, and our saltiness will be affected, and we will be less effective... For God Christians who are out of fellowship with God and other and other believers are usually the most miserable people to be around they know that they have sinned and have done something wrong but are just too proud to admit it so they stay out of fellowship with God and people and remain miserable just because your fellowship with God is is not what it should be, does not mean that you're going to hell if you are one of these people. If you lose your saltiness, your passion for Jesus, you're not going to hell. You might feel like you've been thrown out and trampled on, but that is by men and the devil, not God. God promises to never leave us or forsake us, even when we walk away from him. When your fellowship with God is not good, You tend to forget the promises that God has given you. And you forget to declare who you are in Christ Jesus. And the enemy has a field day with you. He rides roughshod over you. You get trampled on. You might be crying out to God and wondering why he's not doing anything to ease the situation. Take a close look at your life. If there is any sin in your life, You need to repent of it, and then he will hear you and answer you. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Get rid of the pride that is preventing you from repenting, from saying, I'm sorry, from turning around and going the other way. Repent of your sin, that God will hear you and your fellowship will be restored you might still have to live with the consequences of your sin. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit will begin to flow through you once more. And you become pure and you become holy as the fellowship is being restored. When this happens, we won't be trampled upon any longer as we return to declaring the promises of God over our lives and over our areas of influence once again. The salt preserves our purity and enhances our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. We are not only salt, but we are also light. We are The light of the world. Do you ever think of yourself as the light of the world? As soon as a light or lamp is lit in a dark place, it can be seen. Darkness is not the opposite of light. It is the absence of light. As soon as you bring a light into the darkness, the darkness goes. It is no longer dark. You get shades of light, but you cannot get shades of dark. I find it inspiring that Jesus tells us, you and I, his disciples, that we are the light of the world. Because that is exactly what he called himself. It is recorded twice in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 9 and verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When we have Jesus living in us, we have the light of the world in us, and we become the light of the world. If we want to see the darkness flee from the world, we need to be living as the light of the world. In other words, living as Jesus lived, in fellowship with the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and doing all that Jesus commanded us to do. We need to live pure and holy lives. Now, I don't know if you have ever seen a lighthouse in operation from the sea. I was in the Merchant Navy when I left school and sailed a number of times along the east coast of South Africa, where some of the most treacherous seas and coastline in the world are to be found. There are many lighthouses along this coast for that very reason. And they are so easy to see from onboard ship at night. Their lights are bright and can be seen from many miles away. And each lighthouse has its own distinct light emitting pattern, so you know where you are along the coast. Lighthouses have to be extremely well maintained. They cannot operate if their light is blown or the glass is dirty or cracked. If we are out of fellowship with God, we are not being effective as the light of the world. We are not representing Jesus well to the world. We need to live lives that are pure and holy so that the light of the world shines out of us and shows the way to salvation for those living in darkness. We are not to hide our la- light, our commitment to and our love for Jesus from those who are lost and living worldly lives. We are not only to be the light of the lost, to the lost world, but we are also to be the light in the house, the church, our workplace, our sphere of influence that God has placed us in. We are told to let your light shine before men, not make your light shine. When we let our light shine, then God gets the glory for the good deeds that we do. When we make our lights shine, then we get the glory. God is to get all the glory for all that we do, because he is the light that is within us, guiding us and showing us the way. Our fellowship with God must always be good and intimate, born out of a relationship with God through the saving blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to finish off by reading once more the passage from the Message Translation. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16 from the Message. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill.